Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional. I want to thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Scott Lowe. And my goal today, as always, with every episode of the podcast, is to help equip and prepare listeners for their journey of learning across the full stack of technologies that are present in today's data centers and cloud environments. Now, this episode of the Full Stack Journey podcast is a special episode for a couple of reasons. Perhaps one of the most important reasons is special is because I have Drew Connery Murray on with me. Drew, how are you? Hey, Scott. I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Living the dream here in Colorado. <laughs> Beautiful state. Absolutely. I'll be there for an AutoCon event in November, which I'm looking forward to getting into some network automation goodness in the Rockies. Right. I remember uh, seeing a reference about the network automation conference. So that's very exciting. Glad to see something like that popping up. Obviously a fan of network automation, considering I helped write two books about it. So, but the <laughs> second reason that uh, this episode is special is because this will be the final episode of the Full Stack Journey podcast for a variety of reasons, none of which we need to go into here. We've decided to sunset the show. And uh, so Drew has agreed to come on. And over the course of this episode, we're going to talk about the journey of Full Stack Journey, sort of why I started the podcast, why it was and is what it is, and, uh, you know, takeaways, learnings, that sort of thing. So we hope you enjoy the episode. We have, uh, I know I have very much enjoyed being the host and producing the podcast over the last, what is it, six years, I believe, almost. So Drew, why don't you take it away and let's chat about the journey of Full Stack Journey. Yeah, I'd love to. But first, I want to say, you know, thank you, Scott, for being on the Packet Pushers Network for geez, almost six years now, uh, more than 80 episodes. That's an accomplishment. Folks who don't do a podcast don't realize the work that goes into it. So you've been uh, an important voice for Packet Pushers and for the community. I'm very much grateful for all of the time and effort uh, you put into the show. And so I'm really happy to talk about the full journey of the full stack journey. I appreciate that feedback. And it has been a pleasure and an honor to both produce the podcast and to be part of Packet Pushers. And I, you know, I have such uh, amazing respect for all of you you and, and Greg and Ethan all have just been doing some amazing things for a long time. So it's, it's very cool to be part of it. Same here. All right. Well, let me get into some questions. And the first question and I sort of alluded to it is, you know, what compelled you to start a podcast in the first place? You're a very busy person. Anyone who looks at your LinkedIn feed will know that. Uh, and, you know, doing a podcast might sound easy, but we know it's not. So why take something like that on? I've thought about that a lot, actually, since we first kind of decided that we were going to sunset the podcast and trying to determine what was the thing that I was trying to fulfill. And I felt like I was, and still do to some extent, had done a, a fairly good job of like reaching people whose primary means of consuming information was written word through my site, mm -hmm. right? And while my blogging cadence has decreased some, I felt like, well, I want to be able to try to expand into other ways for people to consume information. So the first thing that I thought about doing was, well, let's see if we can build a reasonably technical podcast that is audio only that would give folks something to listen to while they're in the car on their commute or they're working out at the gym or, you know, whatever, right? That still gives them resources for continuing to grow their career, continuing to grow their skill set, but isn't necessarily like sitting down reading a website, right? Because not everyone learns the same way right. and different people have different modes of learning. And so I wanted to try and reach out to that. Along the same time, I was going to start some sort of video outlet as well via YouTube, but that obviously has not happened. <laughs> There's always time. TikTok, TikTok, with those short videos. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but we'll see. 
So what did you hope to accomplish with the podcast? Because as you mentioned, there are a variety of ways to deliver information to people. Did you have specific goals in mind uh, with the podcast? I really wanted to have another channel, for lack of a better word, another means of delivery for delivering technical information to folks who were sort of in my extended community, right? Having written for a number of years, I first started blogging in 2005 and we launched Full Stack Journey in 2017. So at that point I had been writing for you know 12 years and sharing information mm-hmm. and I wanted just to you know have another way of reaching people, right? I, I knew that the, the website had a fairly decent sized audience, lots of people read it, and I wanted to find just another way of sharing technical information. A lot of times as technical professionals, there are maybe some preconceived notions about how you should learn. Uh-huh. And I wanted to try and say, well, there are lots of different ways to learn, and maybe we can do a podcast that helps people learn. I will say Full Stack to me was definitely a very technical podcast because you get into the weeds on some interesting technologies, but it wasn't just about, you know, click here, write this snippet of code, uh, you know, do X, Y, Z. It was also about people's IT journeys, their journeys of learning. So it was about, you know, how they came to do what they do, mistakes they made on the way, lessons learned. You really also brought in a human element, which I think is often missing from technical conversation. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I downplayed the human element a little bit because like in my head, I always wanted it to be technical. I didn't want it to be just another podcast where, you know, somebody is like rambling on aimlessly about whatever, <laughs> right? I'm not like casting aspersions to anyone who has that sort of podcast, but I like I really wanted it to be something that was very practical and very useful for the listeners. But you're right, there was a human element there, and I think in retrospect, that human element was as equally as important as the technical elements. Yeah, I think it could be a hard balance to strike, but I, I think you did strike it because, you know, there were so many episodes where you got into the nerdy weeds. Having that human element come out, I think in some ways also helps people absorb that information. Yeah, I totally agree. Being able to hear somebody talk about a technology and then talk about the mistakes they made while they were learning it helps humanize it. It makes it real. Yeah. yeah, it makes it real. It's like, oh, I can do this. If somebody else can do this and they can make some mistakes, it's okay if I make mistakes along the way because we're all going to, it just, it just happens. That's the thing. Like, I feel like there's almost, you know, no permission structure for making mistakes in IT because it can often be such a high stakes, high wire act that hearing people say, yeah, I screwed up. I, I dropped a production database, you know, can be comforting along with cringy. I'm sure folks have seen the threads, the various, you know, social media threads or whatever, like, Hey, I did this when I was, you know, early in my career, it's okay. You know, share what you've done, right. Where people talk about dropping a production database or, you know, whatever, right. You know, I could share the story of like way, way, way back when, when I was setting up a server and, you know, I asked the user, I was like, you got all the data off this, right. Everything's good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. You know? And so we wipe it and we do a new raid array and da da da. And then later on his boss comes to him and is like, Hey, where's the accounting data? <laughs> So you can probably figure out, you know, like how things went from there. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> What's something that people might not know about putting together a podcast? You know, it's it's more work than it seems if you want to do a good podcast. I had lots of folks pitching ideas, but you have to kind of really think about the idea. Like, is this something that would appeal and be useful to enough listeners? But it's also at the same time, when it comes to topic selection, it's like you have to find this balance between sort of being a little closer to the leading edge. So you're talking about stuff that's pulling people forward in their career and giving them Uh something new, but not so far ahead that they're just like, whoa, that I don't know anything about that. I don't even know the acronyms you all are using. I have no context with which to try to attach anything you're talking about. There's from a perspective of topic selection, like there's this balance of finding 
at least for, for this particular podcast, a learning topic or a discussion topic that will be practical and actionable. Like we can give people real things like you go do X and, and you can get started on this. Also kind of being at that at that edge where we're trying to draw people forward in their career and pull them into uncomfortable territories because that's where we really grow is in those uncomfortable territories. So there's that perspective from, from topic selection. One of the things that I personally really wrestled with was like the wrangling of guests, you know, like identifying a guest, right? Like, okay, who wants to come talk on the podcast? And then just all of the mechanics around, okay, when are you available? When are you not available? You know, do you have reasonable audio equipment so that your audio quality is fair, you know, that kind of thing. It can be particularly challenging as I'm sure you're aware, Drew, like when you start dealing with international scenarios, you know, which oh, yeah. obviously is the thing since, you know, Greg's in the UK, right? You know, just trying to wrestle that. And so there were times when I was getting up super early to talk to somebody in Australia or staying up super yeah. late, you know, whatever, right? I've done the same, yes. Yeah, I'm sure you have, right? I mean, that's just kind of one of those things. So there was that perspective. The final piece is the sort of the production of the podcast itself. And, I, and I've chatted with some folks, including podcast hosts, and they just, they really love editing and the production side of the house. They just super love that. And that's awesome. I am not one of those people. So <laughs> I am more than happy just to like, I can sit here and chat with folks and talk and ask questions and explore things and, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, sitting here chatting with you or chatting with another guest, like I could do that. That's totally fine. But when it comes to splicing in this and cutting that out and editing this, I'm just like, nope, that was a challenge. Thankfully I had outstanding support with you and the others as part of packet pushers that really helped in that regard. Uh, but that, that was it. So there's sort of like those three aspects from, from my perspective is finding, you know, topics that will appeal to listeners, but also, you know, be just outside their comfort zone and wrangling, you know, guests and getting everything worked up and then actually producing the podcast. I will add in that last section about producing the podcast, there's all kinds of like things that go to making it available that I didn't like. I had the the father support of packet pushers and helping and making sure like that the podcast was available like everywhere not just like iTunes but like Google Play Store and Stitcher and you know right. blah 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 like yeah. there's just a million different platforms and all of them have their own little quirks about what is necessary to make the podcast available on that platform and so that's a whole nother thing yeah all that backend stuff can be tricky I will say personally I continue to do some editing and sometimes it's very satisfying when you make that you know most excellent edit and it all just ties together but the thing that bugs me about that is having to hear my own voice in my head I do not like that at all uh, 100% right there with you yes <laughs> which is funny because I think you have a great voice for podcasting so it's, it's Well see I would say that, the same about but... you but you know there you go right <laughs> we we are our own worst critics in that regard It's true it's true So talking about you know finding topics did you ever feel like you might be getting out over your own skis, so to speak, and picking a topic where maybe you weren't that comfortable, but you thought it was interesting enough that you wanted to get into it and sort of risks maybe looking like you were not that familiar with it. Did you have those kinds of issues when when bringing guests on or talking about things? Not frequently, but there were a few episodes where I, I will admit I picked the topic because it was something that I wanted to talk about and it was something that I wanted to learn. And so mm -hmm. I was looking as much for myself in those particular instances as I was about the audience. So sorry, audience, I was selfish in those particular cases. <laughs> Hopefully um, they proved useful to other folks as well. But there were a few where, um, you know, my, my career and like we, we talk about career journeys and, and that, that sort of the human aspect in, in a lot of cases. And we had episodes where we did that. And um, so my career journey was pushing me more and more into 
being familiar with programming languages and that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. so there were, you know, there was episodes where I talk about, oh, hey, let's talk about learning, you know, Go, or let's talk about, you know, some other like very programming sort of specific thing. And in a lot of cases, I was, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was totally clueless, but like it was definitely well out of my comfort zone. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then in that particular case, it's, it's like hard, like, am I asking questions that are obvious questions? Right. Right. That's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. And therefore you just don't know. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes you just have to ask and find out what happens. Very Yes. And that's exactly what we did. So are there any favorite episodes or moments that uh, stood out to you uh, over all the shows you did? I don't think that there are, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, and it's not that I, I'm not saying I didn't like any of the episodes. I actually, I think I, I loved all of them each for what it was, right? Like for talking about a person's career journey. Um, I loved that because, you know, it was, it was always so interesting to hear like how somebody moved from, for example, being a financial analyst to then now being a cybersecurity professional, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, that just seems like such a, an amazing sort of journey in somebody's career, right? So that in and of itself is fascinating, but then there's also the, the, the technical side of it. So getting to chat with folks and learn about, you know, GitOps or, I mean, gosh, there's been so many topics. I can't even remember all the ones we did, but we, we talked on, on about so many different things and, and each and every one, I, I would say I learned something out of every single episode. And I think that fact is probably the thing that stands out the most to me is that we were able to find guests and find topics where out of every single episode I can identify. If I go back and look at the list of all the episodes, I can say, oh yeah, I remember that episode. I talked to that person and I learned blah, right? Maybe not right on the fly. So don't pull up the site and ask me on the fly, but you get the idea, right? <laughs> right. Time to quiz you on that episode about PKI. Let's go. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's probably what stands out most to me is that like, we had so many informative conversations. Well, I'm just looking at the the show list here, and I am struck by the breadth of topics you covered. Uh, one episode, again, it was a deep dive on PKI, which is a complex topic, uh, but you're also talking about GitOps. You're talking about Kubernetes and all of the tools in the Kubernetes ecosystem. You're talking about authentication. You're talking about what it's like uh, to be a computer scientist, uh, which is a totally different view on technology. You're talking about Python and network automation. You're talking about eBPF. Uh, that 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 breadth, I think, was I think one of the the features of Full Stack Journey. It's interesting. I think it was both its greatest strength and yet also simultaneously its greatest weakness. <laughs> no, I mean, we talk about it in technology, you know, be someone being a jack of all trades or a generalist sure. or something like that. Yeah. And there's value in that because you have the ability to be very broad and to do lots of different things. But at the same time, you also know that as a trade-off, you aren't going super deep on any one specific area. And that, and that is a trade-off, like it is an advantage and a disadvantage to be broad. Right. And so I think from, from the podcast's perspective, you know, it was an advantage for us to say, we're talking about all kinds of different technologies and reaching all kinds of different listeners who are in all kinds of different places in their career and their career transitions. But at the same time, if you were looking for something that focused on X or Y or Z, right? Like it wasn't that. Now, if you want that, you know, plug, plug, Packet Pushers has some other great podcasts that'll do that, <laughs> right? The whole thing behind Full Stack Journey was, you know, we, we talk about lots of different things and, uh, you know, that it was a trade-off to make that decision to do that. No, I, I agree that uh, you are making a decision about whether you're going to go wide or deep. So yeah, and there's, there's pros and cons to each. 
Um, are there any lessons or takeaways you've gleaned from all the conversations you've had with IT pros about about learning, about technology, about IT careers or anything else? I would say this is going to be a bit of a like a Chinese proverb, right? But the one thing that I have learned is that there is no one thing. And I say that, right, you know, like that there, like there, there is no secret ingredient in the noodle soup. Every person is unique. And when you take unique people and you put them into a situation with technology, the result is also unique, right? In that how somebody approaches, you know, learning GitOps or learning Kubernetes or, you know, learning PKI or authentication or any of the other technologies that we talked about is going to be fundamentally unique because that person is unique. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it might be a combination of, you know, video and audio assets that they use. Yeah. Or it might be writing or it might be hands-on or it might be a blend of all of those. And it also is going to be affected by, you know, what your teammates are using, what you use at work. You know, one of the episodes that we, we chatted about, like, um, an individual was trying to learn a particular technology and it just didn't go well. And it was because no one on his team also used the same technology. And, and so they were like, kind of like this lone wolf. And so they end up switching from that to something else that aligned with the rest of the team. And then suddenly it became much easier because they had, they had support, they had people who were to help out. They had people who could share with the learning, that kind of thing. So there's all of these different variables that come into it. And so I would just say that, you know, like if you're listening to a podcast and they're saying, oh, like this is the way to do something, right? I, I would disagree with that. Uh, we've talked to, I think this is episode 83, if I recall, 83 or 84, yeah, 83, um, 83. 83. Okay. So approximately 82 episodes talking to a little less than 82 people. Cause we had a couple duplicate guests on and every single one of those had something to share and something valuable to to share with the, the community and with the listeners about their career journey, their journey of learning, the way they approach technology, the way they were successful or even not successful in a, in a particular piece of technology. Yeah. Well, I think that ties back to my comment earlier about the human side of a technical show. Uh, you can't remove the human from the technical equation really. Yeah, that's absolutely a fair thing. And so I guess that in and of itself is a takeaway that we could point out is that, you know, just learning that for myself, you know, I went into this saying, I want this to be a very technical podcast. And the reality is though, that when you're dealing with people and producing things to help people, there's always going to be, and needs to be the human aspect and, sh and it should be there. Even when you're trying to focus on a very technical podcast. Yeah. And again, you didn't, uh, short shrift the technical side either. I can guarantee that. <laughs> Uh, so your first episode was published in April of 2017. It was about making the transition from a Microsoft engineer to a cloud native full stack engineer. Uh, so that's almost six years since then. Do you feel like the IT landscape has changed, how it's changed, or are we sort of still in that same environment? My sense is that we are close to being still in that same environment. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds unfair because technology moves very, very quickly, but the reality is that, that we, we still have a bunch of people who are out there working in what the cutting edge people would call legacy technologies, but what everyone else calls, you know, the stack that I use to get my work done every day. Yeah, the, the profit generating technology. The profit generating technologies, right. I mean, I have a very good friend of mine, a personal friend who lives in Sweden and his full-time job is, you know, managing Microsoft Windows server instances. 
and and that's what he does. And, 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 you know, and like, so those of us who have been sort of like in the cloud space or in the cloud native space, or, you know, that, that we'd look at that and be like, oh man, you know, that's legacy. That's dinosaur stuff. You know, wow. I haven't touched windows in, you know, decades or whatever. But the reality is like, there are tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. I don't know. People who, who work on well-known, well-understood technologies like that, that drive businesses every single day. And I still see the need as much today as I did in April of 2017 when I launched the podcast for podcast hosts, for video content creators, for writers to continue to reach out to that community and give them the path forward. Because ultimately, even though it might take a long time, ultimately that long tail will fade away enough that like it's not going to be sustainable for a large group of people. And we have to transition forward. I'm not saying the transition has to happen right now. The timing will be different for every single person and every single company and all of that, but there will come a transition period. Right. And you know, when I launched the podcast, I wanted to make sure that part of what we were doing was giving people threads to pull on, to help make that transition, which is why so much of what we talked about was kind of like more leading edge stuff. So with that in mind, are there trends or technologies you think are going to be important going forward? Well, despite all of the hype around um, Kubernetes, I think it's still early days there. Um, So I would still tell folks, if you haven't taken some time to become familiar with it, I think you probably should. I don't know that it will necessarily be the be-all, end-all that some folks believe it will be, but I I think it is going to be an important part of the technology stack moving forward, whether it is packaged behind the scenes in something or whether it's raw or whether it's managed or self-managed. I mean, like... Right. You know, the the reality is right now you could have a a managed or quasi managed, uh, you know, Kubernetes cluster running on Amazon in a matter of like just a few minutes. It's not like it was (laughs) right. (laughs) So, you know, it becomes more and more accessible. I still think there's a huge transition happening to cloud. And I think in some ways this is sort of like the second revolution, the second migration. A lot of people just did a lift and shift into cloud. And I think now, now the next phase is, thinking about how and where does it make sense rather than just lifting and shifting everything. What makes sense to run in the cloud? Does it make sense for it to be something that is, you know, functions or something else rather than like a process running on an EC2 instance? You know, it doesn't make sense to have, you know, running ECS and Fargate or, you know, Azure, you know, container instances or whatever, you know, the particular technology is and what makes sense to not put in the cloud, right? I think we're, we're coming back to a, a space of, being a little more intentional about placing things ideally based on where they gain the most benefit. So there's still a lot of stuff happening. And so cloud is still very, very important. Um, serverless, I think, is finally getting the attention that it really needs. And, and that's particularly challenging for infrastructure folks because then you're like, there's no infrastructure. It's just the code, right? So how, how does that infrastructure engineer deal with architectures where it's just code? Um, and there's no servers and there's no containers and there's no this or that or the other, right? That's a, I think a, a question that has not yet been explored well, in my opinion. What about the whole ops movement, uh, DevOps, SecOps, GitOps, this operationalization of infrastructure? Do you see that having legs? Do you see that as being important? The need for teams to work together, which is the at its core, sort of the what DevOps was all about was getting teams to work together, right? Mm-hmm. The development mm-hmm. team, not just to toss code across the fence at the operations team and say, good luck, but instead like, you know, like, okay, how do we get this rolled out? How do we do that? I, I think that remains as important as ever. I don't know. I might be crotchety old man here, but I think the use of like, 
something, you know, X ops and just mashing those together is just, you know, not a whole lot of value there. Right. So that being said, you know, if, if you're approaching this with a focus of how can we streamline our operational processes and bring teams together with shared responsibility and shared accountability and shared visibility, right. Then I think that's a good thing. And if you want to call it DevSecOps or you want to call it GitOps, well then, you know, Hey, go for it. I love shared accountability, shared responsibility, shared visibility. You could probably build a whole company around that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, personally, you've had a variety of roles at, at small companies, at big brand name companies, at startups. Uh, do you see a through line uh, in your career and maybe how that influenced how you approached Full Stack Journey? Um, I do now. Um, I didn't a few years ago until somebody mm -hmm. asked me that. No, no, seriously, like it was 2018 and I was moving from VMware to Heptio and Craig McLucky, who was the CEO of Heptio, um, asked me, he's like, is there a common theme in your career? And I had never been asked that question before in an interview. And it took me a second. And after thinking about it, I realized that kind of the common thread in my career is educating others. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I look mm -hmm. back to my very earliest days in my career, I was a, a trainer and a technical trainer. And I think that that focus on sharing information and enabling others in the early days of my career influenced everything I did since then. And it, I, I mean, if you think about, you know, why do I blog? I, I blog because I'm sharing what I learned with other people because I've had so many people tell me, oh my goodness, you know, it was 2 a.m. and I couldn't figure out this problem. And then I found your blog post uh, in a Google search and it solved my problem. Thank you so much. Right. 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 You know, all you need is a couple of those and it, it like, it, it just keeps you going. Right. <laughs> uh -huh. But it, you know, it's, it's that it's, that's why I did public speaking. That's why we talked about, you know, why I launched the podcast. And it was because I wanted to have another venue for sharing information with folks to help, you know, make them successful. It's why, you know, my roles have have typically been the phrase or the term of the day these, these days is advocacy, but you know, why I've always been out there saying, okay, how can I help folks be successful with whatever it is they're trying to do mm -hmm. answering questions in the community or, or, you know, being on podcasts or, you know, in this case, hosting a podcast or, you know, writing about it, like all these things, if you look at it, they all have that thread of like sharing information with other people so that they can do what they need to do. That's great. Uh, and you've just taught me something. So we've moved on from evangelization. Now we're on advocacy. As I understand it, I could be wrong though, but yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I'd like that change. Yes. Yeah, evangelization okay. has some connotations that, you know, maybe aren't appropriate for a tech space. But. Agreed. And advocacy is a, a little clearer, you know, like, and it's it just is. a matter of like advocating for users. It's about advocating for users. It's about are the users getting what they need, the information they need? Are they getting the tools that they need? Is the user experience what it needs to be? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like in my VMware days, I can't tell you how many times I'd be like, why is this UI so hard? Like, why, why can't we just make this simpler? You know, right. Why, mm -hmm. why do we have to jump through hoops to do things, you know, and, and those are all forms of advocacy because in, in one way or another, you're, you're advocating for the users to make it easier, more accessible, more usable, whatever. Well, I can't tell you the number of times my wife has come into my office to say, why is this application so difficult? Has no one in the company actually ever used it? And what can you do about it? And I'm like, yep, I'll, I'll get on the phone to, to Steve Jobs right away and, and get that change for you. So I'm glad <laughs> right. you're also out there advocating for users. <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. And I can also say that my wife has done the same. Uh, so yes, <laughs> if I think about it, I derive a great deal of personal pleasure from 
knowing that I was able to help someone else, even if it's just been responding to an email because somebody emailed me and said, Hey, I don't really know how to do this thing. And I'm having this problem. And, you know, just taking a few minutes to respond and saying, okay, here are the things you need to do. Go look for this, go look for this, go find this, go read this article. Um, and you, you should have the information you need to be able to go forward. Right. Um, there's been folks who try to abuse that, of course, you know, like, Hey, will you please write this thing for me? And I'm like, no, that's your job. I will, I will, I, here are some tools you can help to figure it out, but no, the rest of it, that's, yeah. that's, that's your job. So given that, you know, that through line is around education and community minded work, um, blogs, books, teaching, speaking, are, are you going to continue? And are you thinking about other outlets? Yeah. I mean, I, I think my character and personality is such that I probably could not, not continue. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Like I would have yep. to continue, right? Like this is just something that I do. It shows up in just kind of, kind of how I approach everything, right? Like whether it's a, you know, showing up as a co-host on another podcast, which, you know, is a possibility we're going to explore to see, does it make sense for me to, to participate in something else? Right. And, I, and I'm certainly open and, and would be, you know, excited about doing that. Um, whether it's, you know, future books, I don't know if that will ever happen or not. Um, a book is a lot of work. It took me, you know, eight to figure out that like, that's a lot of work and maybe I shouldn't do another one, but being involved in the community, I think is something that I will, will probably always do as long as I am able to, to do so. I will probably always be involved in the community in some matter, some, some form or fashion, just, just a matter of like, which way, you know, is it going to be continuing to blog? Um, is it going to be, you know, doing some video content? Is it going to be, you know, hosting meetups and maybe my, my community becomes more local than it has been in the past, right? Something like that. I don't know yet. That's great. Well, on behalf of the Packet Pushers, you know, I want to thank you for all these episodes, for your years of technical insight, technical knowledge, bringing some humanity to the space, uh, your curiosity, your quest for learning and for sharing those learnings with other people. Uh, it's been extraordinarily valuable and a pleasure to have you on the Packet Pushers Network. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, I really appreciate the feedback, you know, that, that we were successful in creating a technical podcast without sacrificing the, the human side of it. Right. And it, it has been in everything that you do, there are going to be parts of it that you don't necessarily enjoy as much. Right? That's kind of like how life works, mm -hmm. but it, it really has been something that I have very much enjoyed producing the podcast. Well, I shouldn't say producing, I record the podcast and other folks produce it for me, but participating in, in doing this podcast and being able to chat with folks. And, and even if, you know, we've only managed to help a handful of folks and I suspect the numbers are probably bigger than that, but even if we were only able to help a handful of folks in something, it was, it was worthwhile doing it. Well, let me give you, you know, the last word to talk to the audience because that they're here for you. Yeah. Listeners just, again, I, I know I say this at the end of every episode and I, you know, we are getting ready to wrap up this episode, but I do appreciate all of you you know, taking the time to listen, to allow me to be part of your day, to be part of your commute or whatever it is, you know, however it is that you end up finding the podcast and listening to the podcast. Um, I appreciate the support. I appreciate the feedback that I've gotten from listeners who have dropped me emails and said, Hey, I really enjoyed this episode and I found it useful who have, you know, DM'd me on social media and said, you know, that was a fantastic episode and it was really useful. Or folks that have reached out to me with you know, podcast ideas for those that I was able to follow up on and execute. Thank you for the idea. Um, and I appreciate that. And for those that, uh, didn't get around to doing it, you know, thank you anyway, for just being willing to participate in the community that has grown up around the full stack journey podcast and for the community that's grown up around, you know, sort of the work that I've done over the years, just, uh, you know, a heartfelt and very sincere. Thank you to all of you. 
I continue to be accessible via all the same mechanisms. So folks, you know, if you want to reach out to me at Scott underscore low on Twitter, I refuse to call it by its other name. And uh, I'm available on the Fediverse as well. And, you know, if you search, you're not going to have too hard of a time finding my email address. And so I respond to emails too. And I guess with that, we should, uh, we should wrap up the episode. Uh, you know, again, thank you, Drew, for being on the episode with me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, I know we've done this uh, a few times over the course of the full stack journey. It's always been great being on, I guess another lesson I could say I learned is it's, it's nice to have a co-host every now and then. So (laughs) (laughs) agreed. But, uh, you know, this episode will be available on the Packet Butcher's website and via the usual uh, channels. Uh, again, listeners, uh, thank you for listening. Feel free to continue to reach out to me and the FSG podcast handle on Twitter will continue to be active. So uh, feel free to reach out there as well. And uh, we'll sign off with our sort of our signature tagline. This has been the Full Stack Journey podcast where too much learning was never enough. So thank you all.